the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As uh, promised, uh, we are joined by one of the strongest, uh, most successful education reform activist thinkers, uh, parental rights and children's rights defenders in the country. He is Mike Ferris, Michael Ferris, president and CEO of Alliance Defending Freedom, someone I've known for many years, who founded the Homeschool Legal Defense Association back in the early 80s, founded Patrick Henry College, has argued before the Supreme Court, and is now continuing his work at Alliance Defending Freedom, defending everything from the First Amendment to the 14th. Mike, welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Thanks for being with us. It's always great to be with you, Seth. I always have to say this to you, just to our audience, really, as much as to you. The two best interns I ever hired who went on to have very storied careers at the highest levels of the executive uh, branch of government came from uh, came from your college, sir, came from Patrick Henry College. I'll never forget that. You have, a, well, you have built some great institutions. Thank you. Because this very kind, of, well, great bunch of kids. It's a great bunch of kids, and and anyone looking for interns, go to Patrick Henry College. I'll tell you, getting college seniors to show up at work at four in the morning, Mike. Jeez, <laughs> 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 Louise. All right, uh, Michael. I wouldn't have guessed this in the Obama administration, the Clinton administration, the Carter. I just never would have thought of a time, perhaps since the Palmer raids, where we would see the Attorney General threatening to sick FBI agents on parents showing up at town hall meetings to talk about things like the curriculum. I, I, I just never would have thought it, and, and, and my thesaurus fails me to describe it. Can you tell me what's going on here? Well, it is breathtaking and astounding and very disturbing. Uh, when the Attorney General of the United States, um, upon request of the National School Boards Association, uh, has directed FBI agents to begin to provide resources and assistance uh, where they uh, believe that, that people protesting what's going on in the public schools uh, should be re- remedied. Uh, and the, the tools that they're using are tools designed to stop international terrorism and you know, narco-trafficking and that kind of thing. It's, it's just a profound... Uh, uh, you know, inappropriate. I mean, first of all, if in, in some instances, you know, somebody, you know, gets upset and trespasses, that's local law enforcement. And local law enforcement appear to be quite capable of handling these things. And if somebody harasses somebody, again, nobody should harass people, nobody should assault people, nobody should trespass. But if those things happen, that's what local police are for. And, um, but to turn the FBI on to, to um, not just those things, but to instances where people are speaking out against what's going on in public schools. I mean, I live in Loudoun County, Virginia, which is kind of ground zero. Yeah, I was going to say, that's kind of the heart of this thing, yeah. Right, right. So the, you know, and, and we represent uh, Tanner Cross, who was 
suspended from his job as a teacher um, for speaking out against the school district uh, and their proposed transgender policy. Now, the, the um, circuit court of the state court here in, in Loudoun County reinstated him. This, the, the school district appealed, and the Supreme Court of Virginia upheld our victory and, and re, you know, stood by uh, Tanner's reinstatement. And so, you know, they've already been rebuffed on this and not getting the answer they wanted from the officials in, in Virginia. And they, they've now turned to the FBI to see if they can politicize this and scare parents away from standing up for their kids. And, you know, I've got news for them. Parents are not going to back down. We're not going to back down. And, you know, if we can find any instances where they actually take any form of action against uh, any parent for speaking out and for simply exercising their constitutional rights and curtailing their speech, we will go after the, you know, the FBI and the federal government and sue them for constitutional violations for interference with freedom of speech. Our guest is Michael Ferris. He is the president and CEO of the Alliance Defending Freedom. Thanks for saying that, Michael. But one of my concerns, I'm sure it's one of yours too, is isn't part and parcel of this memo, edict, from the Attorney General Merrick Garland, isn't it in part to um, peremptorily a priori chill speech, scare people from going in the first place? It is. It's in, it clearly has that intent. And, uh, you know, that's why the School Boards Association sought it. The, um, um, you know, the, the, there's uh, you know, one thing that's just totally missing from everything uh, associated with this is any kind of factual basis for invoking these extraordinary remedies and powers and um, various statutes that they, they're seeking to, to base their actions upon. And so, you know, with, without a factual predicate, they shouldn't be doing these things. They, uh, but they are, and they're, they're trying to scare people away. So the fact that they, they don't say the kinds of things that, you know, would invoke these laws, um, people could look at it and say, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not, you know, threatening to violence. I'm not threatening in any kind of way that would, you know, invoke really ordinary criminal law, much less these things. Um, the federal element of all this is... You know, it's pretty clearly missing, you know, as well. But, but they're just simply, you know, saying you shouldn't adopt a policy is not violence. Uh, and, and so the, uh, the, the overreach is designed, and the lack of facts gives people uh, the idea that anything could qualify. Well, apparently anything could qualify to, to raise their ire. And um, people uh, are in a mood, however to stand up to this kind of tyranny. Uh, it's, they've picked a wrong, wrong moment in American history, and they've also picked the wrong group of people. Uh, parents will stand up for their kids, and they will not be cowed by this kind of ham-handed nonsense. You've known this since 1983 and have been waging war with those uh, on behalf of those parents since then, so I'm, I'm glad you're still doing it, Mike. But let me, let me, let me run this thought by you. I, I said this the other day, and uh, I, wanted, I, I don't know if it has any traction or, or if it's relevant to think of it this way, but you said, you know, this conversion of the notion that speech equates to violence, we see this everywhere. We had an incident at ASU where someone's speech was considered violent, you know, because they were promoting nothing different than, I don't know, a speech Frederick Douglass or Abraham Lincoln or Thomas Jefferson might give about, you know, 
quality. Speech has become violence. That's the interesting thing about our court system now, or at least our legal mindset, isn't it? We have turned speech into violence, or the progressives have. But the funny thing is, to protect violence, the progressives have turned that into speech. I don't know, flag, any number of activities. In other words, the left is giving a tell here by saying we know generally speech should be sacrosanct and protected. So what we'll do is we'll take the kind we don't like and call it violence, which no one wants and everyone should be arrested for engaging in. But we'll take violence and call it the innocuous thing, speech. That's a pretty upside down world, isn't it? Well, exactly. They they. You know, right has become wrong, and wrong has become right. And by simply repeating the lies often enough, they think that people will will bite. The good news is the speech has become violence is is pretty prominent in academic circles and growing so in corporate circles and in other cultural circles. It has not taken uh, root yet in the courts of the United States, particularly not at the Supreme Court level. And I don't think they're going to get to first base on this nonsense. Although we have to put an asterisk on that point, <laughs> yeah. don't we, that it could have been a situation where this attorney general was on the Supreme Court. Yeah, that, that, uh, that we do. Yeah. We have to add that parenthetical. Don't yeah. We? That, we, you know, so they God are there. The qualified members you, of the yeah. Supreme Court are there in the waiting if we're not yeah. careful. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's. It, yeah, I, your point well taken. I argued a case in the Supreme Court on freedom of speech in 2018, uh, one five to four, and, and the, the issue there was whether California could coerce pro-life pregnancy centers to give a, a pro-abortion advertisement right. in the walls of their center. Right. Now we won five four. We should have won nine zero. Exactly. The, yeah. uh, the the and so the the change of one vote right there would have changed the outcome. They, they would have said, you can coerce pro-lifers to give a pro-abortion message. And if, if you're willing to do that, all, all the basic rules of free speech are out the window. And so they're, they're you know, it was 5-4, not 9-0. So your, your asterisk is well taken. <laughs> Mike, one la- I know you have to run. Can you do mo- me one more thing on this, though? Because you, you did mention it in passing, but I think it's just worth hanging a little lantern on. What business of... The federal government's is the local town hall meeting. None. How is this a U.S. attorney yeah. issue? How is this an FBI issue? How is this a U.S. attorney general issue? Yeah, the, the, there is a, a fundamental distinction that the normal criminal laws in this country are enforced by our state and local officials. And that's a matter for freedom protection. And so the, the federal government does not have general police power it has very narrow and specialized power, and there have to be federal elements to justify any federal crime, even with the expansive version of the Commerce Clause that we live under, which is not anywhere close to what the founders intended. But even under that expanded version, you can't turn um, you know, rape into a federal offense or anything else. I mean, the, the Violence Against Women's Act was held to be unconstitutional by the Supreme Court because they federalized ordinary state crimes. State crimes are state crimes, and state officials would not listen to this nonsense. State officials would not be harassing people, and the FBI needs to stay out of it. Michael Ferris, Godspeed. God bless you. I'm going to let you go because I want you busy. Thank you so much, my friend. You bet. We'll talk soon. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Alan's in Phoenix. Hi, Alan. Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm wonderful. It's rained at my house over the last few days, and it's been glorious, and things are growing, so everything's good. You know? No allergies, no snakes, yeah. no snails. No snakes, ah, snakes are fine. What's really cool, you walk out on the desert, and you can see the actual new critter holes, you know, because the other ones get washed out, so you can see the active critter holes when you're out hiking. So you know where the snakes are. Um, and Trump didn't know where all the snakes were. Uh, <laughs> um, you know what's nice about this subject is because old board elections have always been, you know, one of those things that's an afterthought. And people don't think about it. That's and, right. And, and, and the leftists, you know, um, who came out of college after Obama and they started infiltrating all these small little... Uh, you know, nonprofits and things, and they found out that if you can get 409 votes, you can win a school board election. And so I have a lot of hope in the fact that, you know, for the last 10 years, school board elections have been kind of under the radar, but yep. now that with COVID and people found stuff that was going on, yep. the school board elections aren't going to be taken for granted, and it won't take long to weed out those that are uh, who are not uh, congruent with what's going on. And, and they will weed themselves out quite quickly. So, you know, this this balderall by the by the AG to satisfy some organization that really doesn't do much um, is nothing but you know I call it the daily civil chaos event. Okay. Of the, and and and, it's, and and we've had one every day. The Obama Valjer Susan Rice cabal that is running this country because Obama is not. Um, they give us a daily civil chaos event, and the reason is is because in the end it's all about our guns. The left doesn't want anything. The 80 million magic votes are all for our guns. That is all they want. The rest of it is crud. The holy grail of the left is our guns. Period. But, Alan, you will admit that more than it being folderol, it is consequential in the chilling effect it will have, and if indeed the trigger is pulled too quickly. Oh, absolutely. Okay. That was was the point. You just lay that out there. You come from a school board member. You talk against the tyrants. You're going to be a domestic terrorist. You're not going to. Fly. Okay. Uh, no. Okay. Now I'm reading you loudly and clearly. Good. Am I saying yeah. that right? Is it? Everyone says loud and clear. I think it's loudly and clearly though. Loud and isn't clear. It? It's, loud shouldn't clear. it be loudly yeah, and clearly? No. Modifying hearing. Um. We may have to change the dictionary. We may have to check. This yeah. We. Out. Yeah. If there's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Star. Okay. We'll go. We'll go. We'll Tina go and Star Valley like, paging well, my actually, English teachers. <laughs> the problem with it is the problem with it is the left is sure good on the loudly part, but the clear part they have no clue on. And so, um, but the, the school board thing will. No, you're making a great it point. It has been under the radar, like all policy changes that have taken place, particularly at the curricular level, at the right. elementary and secondary. This is where conservatives have been absent for any no, number of reasons. It's where common sense concerned people have been absent. Yeah, conservatives. That's a, that's ever. that's perfectly common reasonable. Sense. Correct. Yeah. That's a better way to put it's it. It's common sense, people, that schools should be this, this, this. And what happens when we get a little infestation of this and that, the next thing you know, two people, three votes, and the next thing you know, this has changed. And now people are up in arms because people got to stay home for 18 months and see school. And now it will quickly revert back because it is something that the pendulum can be snatched back very quickly. So uh, I have a lot of hope and faith in this issue not really going long. And the people need to stop screaming at the school board members because I don't listen anyway. Just ignore them until voting time and in vote. And until then, you can't really stop what they're doing. So, 
I appreciate it very much, Alan. I appreciate That's it awesome. very much. Thank you. You're welcome. You have a great day. No, you too. And run for school board. I'm running for governor. So. Even better. Let me let me let me tell you this though about the interesting thing with the National School Board Association with Mike, which Mike Ferris said. You know, these things sound innocuous. They sound like they're on your side. This goes back to Hannah Arendt uh, and uh, what she wrote about language and uh, and such uh, in regards to totalitarianism. What could sound more innocuous than the National School Board Association? Who wouldn't go to a convention of theirs if they were invited and it was local? Who wouldn't want to? I mean, it just sounds like an anodyne group, doesn't it? Check out your groups, folks. Check them out. Some of them aren't even hiding or trying to. Or trying to. Um, If you go to their homepage, nsba.org, go to (laughs) – the tabs are interesting – But go to their About tab, and the first thing you will see under who we are is the word in bold, centered, equity. First word. And then their description of it. Working with and through our state associations and the U.S. territory of the Virgin Islands, NSBA advocates for equity and excellence in public education through school board governments. Governance. Learn more about NSBA's mission, vision, and goals. And then when you do... And then when you do, you find an explosion of the myth that critical race theory doesn't exist in our K-12 through education system. They're not even hiding it anymore. They will happily lie. They will happily lie and say, we don't teach it in K-12 systems. It's a Harvard College law school thing or whatever their talking point is that they all use. And yet... Somehow, the head of the NEA, Randy Weingarten, said we will defend teachers for teaching it. Why would they need defense if it weren't there? And why would the NSAB talk all about it except in name? You, you, can, you can make something not be by changing its name. You know, I can I, – Bill can change his name. He's still Bill or the man I know is Bill. Same character. The name change doesn't change its character. You can call something not critical race to call it a 1619 project. You get a twofer in that one. You're not calling it critical race theory and, and even more so, your memory holding 1776. Even more so. You're destroying every record, every book, every picture, every statue, every date. Just as George Orwell said. All right, let me um, let me do this too. Uh, by the way, six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We have some callers on hold. I'll get to you in just a moment. Uh, we're heading into a break, so I don't want to give you short shrift. But remind me, Bill. This is important for the audience. I hope. I think. Remind me to run through my greatest hits that I have compiled. I don't think I've done it all at once yet. The greatest hits I've compiled about the issue of memory holding and destroying history and destroying common sense. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 508 
0960. Little Carl Perkins music for you there. Rick's in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hello there, Seth, my friend. How are you? How are you today? Thank you. I am fine. How are you? Well, I'm doing well, and as our friend Dennis says, I'm doing well. My country's not doing that's so right. well. That's right. That's <clears> right. Yeah, but listen. Seth, I think that's something Dennis would say, too. That's right. <laughs> I can hear him doing that. That's right. I, that's right. I can't get his low, vo- his low, great, deep radio voice, but right, that's right. right. Yeah, you that's said right. it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very important point. Right. It that's is. my imitation of Dennis. You you do a great imitation, brother. I I can do a few others. <laughs> we'll leave it at that for now. Well, you're I'll keep. Doing, I'll try and keep my day job. You're 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 doing great. You're doing great. Hey, by the way, while I'm thinking about it, I wanted to apologize. I hope I did not get you in too much trouble with the big guy Jim last week with that silliness about Mellow Yellow. Oh. I'm, I I have pretty wide latitude with Jim. Okay, <laughs> it's not like he's Merrick Garland, you know. Yeah. Wow. Talk about. Oh man, you just <clears throat> you just made my head explode. Seth. Jim gives me a pretty wide berth. He reigns me in once in a while. I think we let he let that one slip through. Yeah. Okay. Let's not well, remind him of it. Let's move on. He's a he's a he's a good guy. Yes, yeah, he is. he's a good guy. The best, actually. Well, listen. What I'm calling about, Seth, is that uh, I watched the movie Gettysburg uh, a few days ago, and I don't think I ever saw it when it was originally in the theater, like 30 years ago. Uh, but it is a powerful movie, and at the end of the movie, uh, they had a documentary on Gettysburg. And at the end of the documentary, they read the Gettysburg Address. Okay. Now, I want to tell you, I have read the Gettysburg Address before. I've heard it read. Mm -hmm. But when it was read, it just sent chills all over me. Mm. I, I thought to myself, this is something that should be proclaimed every year on the 4th of July and around the 4th of July because the things that President Lincoln stated and expressed in that address are the eternal foundational principles of our nation. And I don't think that they may never have been said more clearly or more uh, eloquently. And it just it just struck me as wow this is this is incredible and I just wanted to pass that on to you because what you do day in and day out week in and week out is to clarify and spread and teach those values and I think to me it's right in keeping with what President Lincoln was talking about. Well, you're strumming the strings of America's heart with that point, Rick. I really appreciate you saying everything you just said it's the only time i can think of that lincoln was wrong was Ah. in the gettysburg address the Uh only time i can think of where he made an error you know what it was no it's when he said the world will little note nor long remember what we say here yes yes i did he was wrong about that yeah i did and he was wrong about about never forgetting what they did here i think he was wrong about that too right yeah i he'd probably agree with me 
Yeah, I do. I agree with you 100%. I, Lincoln, remember I think thinking, Lincoln would agree, too. I think he would. I think he would. I, I remember, he would look at the world today in American politics, and he would listen to the Democrats. And he would listen to the Democrats talking about moving 1776 to 1619. He would listen to the Democrats talking about America founded on the basis of slavery. He would talk about the slave. He would hear talk about the slaveholding republic. He would hear critical race theory. You know what he'd say? No. I thought we defeated that in 1865. Oh, yep, yep. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking my call. Well, it bless you for calling. Bless you. Thank great you. Great to talk to you. Sir. By the way, Rick, if you want to know how esteemed I view the Gettysburg Address, yeah. you, you, it's it's a dorky thing to say, kind of, but all my heroes have been nerds. Um, <laughs> you know that my my guiding star in understanding political philosophy and the Constitution is a professor named Harry Jaffa. Harry Jaffa. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know what his last book was titled, don't you? A New Birth of Freedom. Where'd that phrase come from? Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank wow. you, Rick. Great. Thank God you, bless Seth. you. We'll be right back. We don't know off off the offhand what year this was. Do we that song? I'm going to guess 85. I'm going to guess 85, Ebony and Ivory. Couldn't be done today, I don't think, given the new Aunt 82. It couldn't be done today, given the new ethic. It's not integrationist anymore. Separate. Whites can't be in multicultural centers at ASU, don't you know? Do you, is, is, the, is, the, um, is the reciprocity there ever thought of? If whites, two black students told two white students they could not be in that building. Effectively chased them out, right? Hope I don't get in trouble for theorizing on this, but it's a hypothetical. So what if they put up signs on the rest of the ASU campus saying blacks aren't welcome here? We spent decades fighting that very ethic. When you put it in those terms, you make it a little more understandable. Has anyone asked those girls that question? Would you agree with that? You know what they'd say? We already don't feel welcome there. Well, sorry. Sorry. The state is not here for your feelings. In fact, neither is education. It's to make you think. If feelings are the problem, see a social worker or a psychologist. Mary, hi. Welcome. Hey, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. Of How are course. you? Of course. I'm okay. I'm fine. Thank you. You are fantastic, actually, and I, I appreciate that. <laughs> you're very kind. I, I've been able to call in a few times, and you're just terrific. I, I love your show. Thanks. I just wanted to say uh, on the topic that you were on a, a f- couple segments ago about, you know, shutting pe- parents down, et cetera, because, yeah. you know, I'm one of those evil domestic terrorist parents um, at the school boards, et cetera. Not lately, but three <laughs> or four years ago when my kids were in, you know, from junior high, um, I was very active, and it and I when when I listened to that segment, I was like, oh my gosh, I just thought of it. They've been doing it since we were fighting Common Core, since we were fighting, you know, all that stuff. And I realized one of the subversive ways that they were doing it was I was a room mom, mm-hmm. and as a room mom, we would gather all the 
parents' names, you know, because you got to collect money for the parties and you have to let them know the events that are going on. And that used to be free and open and all was well. When, but when we started talking to one another and started to make noise and make things happen, you know how they shut us down? They, as a room mom, I was allowed to gather phone numbers of the parents, but any email mm. that I sent out had to go through the teacher. Mm. I was not allowed to send out blast emails, even if it was to collect money or to give info. It always had to go back to the teacher. I want a system where the exact opposite is the case. Whereas if exactly. a, where a school a school if a school wants to communicate with a student outside of the classroom, it should go through the parent. I, I that's what I want. And the idea right. that you have to filter through uh, with your own children and your own co-parents uh, and your own colleagues in the parenting community in that classroom. Well, at least we have the technology to create our own chat rooms, I guess, that can override and super and go around that, I suppose, right? But you're telling right. me you saw the you saw the, uh, the the uh, the the foreshadowing of this kind of this kind of censorship and totalitarianism early on. That's how it started in your when you first noticed. Sure, it. and yeah. and what do they call it? They they don't say you know they call it something benign. They say, well, this is for the safety yep. of any parent sure. who don't want their information out sure. or whatever. Sure. You know, when when anybody tells you it's for your own good or if it's for your safety, run. Yeah. You know that it's not. Yeah. I, I think that's I, I, I think that's something that um, the previous caller actually sent me a quote from C.S. Lewis on. That's exactly right. This is the concern I and so many of us have about all these dramatic upendings of our lives and our institutions in the name of health and safety or an abundance of caution. If they right. can do it. If they can do it, and what's it? People being fired, schools, churches shut down, or at least people kicked out of school, churches shut down. You know, if they can do it for something that if you get, if you get, has a 99.98% recovery rate, if they can do it for that... Boy, don't you know someone's writing a memo right now if they already haven't written it and printed it internally on what Greta Thunberg's telling them. Oh, my goodness. No, I honor. This is our concern, isn't it, Mary? Isn't it? If they can do it for that? I mean, it's an amazing thing to think about last year. This has already been memory hold. Mm -hmm. Churches. Well, my husband's going through that now. And synagogues were shut. I just got an email. It gives me such sadness. Such sadness. Let me read it to you. This this may be your husband's story, Mary. This uh, listener uh, asked to um, remain anonymous. Hello, Seth. Longtime listener. You have a great show. Really appreciate your attitude and insights. Was on the road, blah, blah, blah. Today, the company I have worked for 20 years has announced mandatory vaccinations or lose your job. I work at X. It's a company everyone in the audience would know. He, t- uh, he asked for anonymity here, and I'll grant it for now. We'll work another angle to deal with it. But he writes, um, 
per the order, it is now per the executive order of Joe Biden's and OSHA, it's now official policy of my company and all employees must comply by December 8th. Both shots or lose their job, even those working at home. I have spent the last two years taking care of my crew at work when we went through this and very proudly so, keeping them informed and safe, keeping my opinions to myself. While I believe for X, Y, Z reasons I would get a religious exempt, uh, I could get a religious exemption. I have decided I will not share my personal health or religious affiliation with my company. I will not submit. I have no idea where this will lead me. The deadline is in about two weeks, and then I walk away on these grounds. I have put my trust in God through this whole ride. Felt like you would understand this story. Hang Definitely, in there. Uh, we're you know talking about it every day because yeah. he, my husband, went ahead and got the vaccination because he's our sole breadwinner right now, oh. and he has some health issues. And his doctor told him it might be a good idea. You know, would help him. And then we hear all this other information, and you hear more and more. And I I listen to the frontline doctors yep. because they created that platform that's not political. It's called science and information. I mean, I believe that from the very beginning, the pandemic was, uh, they were they were lying to us because they were quarantining healthy people, okay? Yep. So it starts with that. Yep. So anyway, yep. it, it's just, yeah, it's terrifying, but we have to be strong and we have to do what we need to do. I'm not going to get the vaccination. I don't believe in it. I, I, I'm, I'm afraid for it because there's too many people who've gotten so sick. You live in a country and, um, that allows you to make that choice for yourself. Yeah. Should. Well, I should but hope so. Yeah. I hope we do. Yeah. Yeah. But we have to stand strong. Thank you so much. We will do it together, Mary. Thank you, you so much. Bless you. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Robinson, surprise. Hello, Rob. Hi, uh, Seth. I um, I can kind of relate to your confusion over the talking heads and uh, simple minds. I always got the clash and the cure confused, and I was uh, kind of emailing back and forth with Kurt Schlichter, who was a big Clash fan, and I was trying to ask him, like, I, I knew it started with a C because his favorite band, I guess, is the Clash. And the only song I remember from the Clash was Rock the Casbah, mm-hmm. and from the cure, I can't recall a single song i can't distinguish but uh, yeah i'm with you on that the clash and the cure are yeah, the same band to me yeah yeah so so i'm with you on that uh, um, no. now I, I was thinking uh you know how we always talk about how the government is supposed to be working for we the people yep and then i was thinking you know now we have the media you know who do they work for because they certainly don't work for we the people they work for whoever is paying their paycheck and of course there's a big you know conglomerate of very few uh owners of media companies who are i guess deciding what is news and what's not and then your previous caller was talking about you know the whole education and uh, the problems with school boards and i was thinking then well let's see who do they work for who does the school board work for and who does who do teachers work for and then of course i was going on to uh a a quote I heard a few weeks back from either the NEA head or the National Teachers Association head who was uh, asked about, you know, what about the children? And 
that had said, I'll care about the children when they start paying union dues. Um, and so I think there's, there's an important point that needs to be made about people understanding, you know, who the media works for, who, uh, who butters their bread, why are they, you know, always uh, in the deep pockets of uh, the Democrats and the left, um, which also raises another problem. And then, of course, with the education process, uh, which should be local, and uh, the, the whole FBI thing is absurd. Um, but I, I just wonder when we start thinking about, okay, uh, I used to think about, well, who is signing my fitness report? That's the only person that really matters here in my you know, short naval career. People need to understand who, you know, how the chain of command works uh, in which uh, industry, whether it's the media or education, and then, of course, the school boards, which obviously have been taken over by uh, leftist progressive types, which we need to keep pushing back on. I'm with you. The media used to work for us, or at least that was the point of journalism. You've heard me go through the Journalists' Creed at the University of Missouri. It's emblazoned on the National Press Club. The second point of the Journalists' Creed is I believe that the public journal is a public trust that all connected with it are to the full measure of their responsible responsibility. Trustees for the public. And that acceptance of a lesser service than the public service is a betrayal of this trust. Well, the media has betrayed their own creed. Right, Rob? Don't go away. We have some cowbell coming in. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 